says, Abraham is told by God that the land of Sodom and Gomorrah is very corrupt. The men have decided to do things their own way. They decide to go their own direction, not God's way. And so he's going to destroy the land. And the first part of Genesis chapter 18, uh, basically Abraham argues with God and says, well, God, if there's just one person or 10 people or 20 people that are doing the right thing, can you spare the land? And so God agrees. He said, yeah, that's fine. He said, you know, if you, if you find a handful of people and they're living the right way, I'll, I'll, I'll give the land a second chance, although they don't deserve it. I'll give them a second chance and we'll see if they can redeem themselves and turn back to me. And so God sends these angels to basically go and check out the town to see, to see the state, the spiritual state of the town, to see if it's really gone fully corrupt or if they can find a few people that are still living for God and doing the right things. And so as the angels go into this town, they stay with Lot in this house. And while they're staying with Lot, and at night, the men of the town find out they have visitors that have come to visit them, not really knowing they're angels, I'm sure. And they come to the town, and they basically try to rape the angel men that came to check out the spiritual level of the town. Um, and so that part of the passage is, is let me read it off to you. It's in chapter 19. It's pretty gruesome, but we're just going to roll with it. All right. Uh-huh. Um, so starting in verse 4, it says, Now before they lay down, talking about the angels that came to visit the town, the men of the city, the men of Sodom, both old and young. So you got some old geezers and you got some young guns too coming to do this. Um, all the people from every quarter surrounded the house. And they called to Lot, which was the guy they were staying with, and said to him, Where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out to us so we may know them carnally. Which basically means to know them sexually. So Lot went out to them through the doorway, shut the door behind him and said, Please, my brethren, do not do so so wickedly. And now listen to this. Okay, so Lot is like pleading for these guys not to do this. He's like, yeah, listen to this. Okay, so Lot's reasoning was like, you know, I'm going to do this instead so the guys don't basically rape these visitors. And he says, see now, I have two daughters who have not known a man. Please, let me bring them to you so you can do to them what you wish. I'm like, what the? <laughs> yeah, so like, like that's any better. Yeah, so, so, so Lot, in trying to save the men that had come to visit with him, he just like, well, he just gives up his daughters, baby. He's like, hey, you know, have them instead. Have fun. And I'm like, what in the world? Um, so, so yeah, crazy, crazy turn of events there. But then listen to what the men respond with. Um, and they said, stand back. And they said, this one came in to stay here, and he keeps acting as a judge. Now we will deal worse with you than with them. So they pressed hard against the man Lot and came near to break down the door. So they basically tell Lot, we don't want your daughter, we want these men, and like, and now, we, now we're going to also abuse you because you didn't let us come in. And so they try to break down the door. And then it says, but the men reached out their hands, which are the angels, and pulled Lot into the house with them and shut the door. And then basically uh, they blind the men after that. The angels do, and the men go their own way, and they, and they, and they don't actually abuse those men. And then later on in the, in the story, God destroys, he sends fire basically from heaven, destroys the land of Sodom and Gomorrah for their sinful actions. 
and Lot basically comes and is like, yeah, these guys are bad. They're, they're some bad dudes. You know, Abraham's like, I understand. You know, God was right. So when we look at this story, people in today's time, you know, they're going to look at this and say, well, it wasn't talking about homosexuality. It was talking about sexual abuse. And that is part of the story. Because part of the story is they wanted to abuse Lot because he didn't give them what they wanted, what they wanted. But the whole point was originally they came there to be with the men. And see, God already told them the, the, the city was sinful ahead of time because these guys had just started doing this and they had gone down this track and they did other things besides the sexual and moral things. And God knew that their, their heart was already turned against him. Um, and so, yeah, they had they have those tendencies. And I want to read you guys off something here. When it says to know them carnally, the sin of the men of Sodom was plainly connected to their homosexuality. There is no doubt that the Bible says it's wrong. But both the Hebrew scriptures and the Greek scriptures condemn the homosexual conduct of these men. Now I want you guys to think about this. Jesus himself affirmed the Old Testament's condemnation of homosexual conduct when he said, Do not think that I have come to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy them, but to fulfill them. Jesus also affirmed the biblical idea of marriage consisting of one man and one woman joined in a lifelong relationship in Matthew. So when Jesus is talking to, to his disciples or the people in Matthew, he actually backs up the concept in the Old Testament and says that a man should leave his father and mother and be joined with his wife, and they should be one flesh, and this is how he intended it to be. And so even in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, and you go into Corinthians and other passages, it all ties into the general concept of this is not right. You shouldn't be doing this. This is not how God ordained the order to be. And this is what we're going to go into why. This is why I broke it down here a little bit. So people in today's society that are, you know, pro-gay life and gay marriage and things like that, a lot of them will say that it's, a lot of times people in those relationships are happier or they're more successful or there's not as much things wrong in the relationship. And, you know, if you love somebody, then God should be okay with it. And if it's fun to you, then God should enjoy that because God created us to have fun and to enjoy life. And um, sometimes people, people will say that, but it's not necessarily true. And this is what I want you guys to, to break down here. So one, you have to go into the Bible and say, okay, well, first off, does the Bible really condemn it? I already talked about it a little bit, but if you look into Romans 1, 26 through 28, this is the New Testament. This is Paul writing. He says, because of this, God gave them over to shameful lust. Even their women exchanged natural sexual relations for unnatural ones. This is also talking about not just the men who are homosexual, the women also eventually turned into the same kind of desire to sinful nature. It wasn't just the men. And, the, and it was in Sodom, but in, and later on it came to women as well. In the same way, the men also abandoned natural relations, key word there is natural relations with women, and were inflamed with lust for one another. Men committed shameful acts with other men and received in themselves due penalty for their error. Furthermore, just as they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, so God gave them over to a deprived mind so that they do what they ought to not be done. And then in Leviticus, in the Old Testament, 18.22, it says, Do not have sexual relations with a man as one does with a woman. That is detestable. So all throughout the Bible, it talks about this. This is not how God intended things to be. And if it goes against the natural order, how God intended it, God's plan, it's wrong. Now, this doesn't just go with homosexuality. This goes to anything in life, though. You know, if the Bible says, 
do things one way and we decide to do it another way, that's what sin is. You know, if God says live this way and we live a different way, well, that's what sin is. And we all commit sins in our life. Not all of us will commit homosexual sins. We all commit some kind of sin in our lives. It's just another form of that sin. And so there's all kinds of things in the Bible that God tells us to do and not to do. And this is just one of those examples. And here's kind of why. Recent study studied the life of married men that were gay. Um, and it studied like how the relationship was. And so I started re researching this to find out was the relationship really better? You know, as some people say, than a heterosexual relationship. Is, is there really benefits to that? As people are claiming, although the Bible says it's wrong and that's what we should follow, is there other evidence as well? Listen to this. It says, because of stress and discrimination, gay and bisexual men are more likely to abuse tobacco and alcohol than the general population. Among other dangerous health effects, tobacco use puts men at, ma at major risk for se several cancers and excessive alcohol use obviously contributes to per permanent liver damage and risky sexual behavior. They all, gay and bisexual men also have higher rates of body dysphoria. Many factors include uh, in, in, or lead to this, including low self-esteem and depression. Um, now, I want you guys to think about this. Obviously, too, sexual disease is a factor. You know, we talk about HIV, AIDS, things like that. Um, but <laughs> I want you guys to think about this. John Hopkins Medical Medical Center. This is a major medical institution. Everybody, everybody heard of John Hopkins before? Yes. yes. Big institution. So I thought this was probably pretty reliable. So I, I went to John Hopkins to see what they said about this study. And they said that John Hopkins Medical uh, Medical values and embraces the diversity of his community. But they didn't go broke into the study. It says there's very few options for gay men and bisexual men uh, who aspire to have children, obviously, um, because it's not a natural way to do so. Same thing with women that are in that relationship. So although there are some methods where you can do like sur sur surrogacy and things like that, um, it's not the same as having a natural born child. And that can lead to issues in relationships, anxiety rates, you know, having that uh, withdrawal, things like that. The sexual transmitted diseases, you have HIV, you have AIDS like we talked about that happen, but more so than that, uh, syphilis, gonorrhea, uh, hepatitis A and B are more common in gay couples than in heterosexual couples. You guys can probably think through why that would be. Oh, yes. um, so obviously it's not a more healthy option uh, to be in that relationship. Um, but then what are some major pushbacks today? I came up with three that are probably the biggest pushbacks in the homosexual movement today. Uh, one was, I was born this way. Everybody probably heard that one. It's probably the most common one. Um, or God wanted me to be this way. It's a very common uh, pushback. Yeah. Um, so I, was re I researched that a little bit. And, you know, although the Bible clearly states that we're, we're born into sin, you know, whether you have homosexual desires or other sinful desires, because of the fall, technically we're all born with sinful desires. So think about this. If you go back into Genesis, you know, before Adam and Eve fell to sin, they desired the things that God did. They were, they were kind to one another. They were loving. They had joy. They had peace. They had patience, kindness, self-control. But then when they gave over to their uh, human desires and they sinned, God's presence left the garden. When God's presence left the garden, they did the opposite of what God desired. 
And so everybody that was born after that, it said, was not born from God. They were born from Adam and Eve. They were born from man. So they weren't born with this like Adam and Eve were, where they were without sin. They were born into sin. So think about this. If you have alcoholic parents or if you had an alcohol or like a drug use parent, you may be born with more tendencies to fall into drug use or to fall into alcohol use because of how your parents were. Um, other things happen where some people are born and they might struggle more with sexual things than other people do. You might struggle with something more than I struggle with, but we're all born into sin. So it's not, um, it's not actually wrong for somebody to say that they were born with these kind of desires. That may actually be true. The problem is just because you're born with those desires doesn't mean it's right to act out upon them. You know, if, say like your, say your parents or your family members were serial killers, you know, God forbid, say somebody was born into that kind of lifestyle, well, if they were born and raised into that kind of lifestyle, they may be more prone to do something really destructive one day because that's what they were taught growing up. But just because they have that natural desire or that desire because of their parents and their upbringing, doesn't mean it's right to go out there and shoot up a mall or a school. None of us are gonna say yes to that. Same thing, and that's obviously an extreme example. The same thing's true with anything we do in our lives. You know, just because your parents did something and, and you might be more prone to do that. Yeah, just because you're more prone and you have a bigger desire to do that sin than somebody else does, doesn't mean you just give, it, give yourself over to that sin. It may mean you have to work hard to overcome it. You may need an accountability group. You may have to go to some therapy. You may need a good Christian support group around you. And that's why the church is here. Now, it might be harder for you to resist alcohol or something else like some other people will do, but it doesn't mean you just give yourself over to it. So in a way, yeah, they're right. They might be born with that desire. It doesn't mean that that's how God intended it to be because without the fall, they wouldn't have that desire at all. Um, and in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. So say somebody was living this sinful lifestyle, they were living the way they just desired and did whatever they thought felt good and was good to them. When you accept Christ as your savior, you start to try to learn how to live for him. You're not gonna be perfect, nobody is, except Jesus. But you start to live differently. And his spirit comes within you and start to show you the right way to live. And so with somebody that has homosexual desires from an early age, you know, from a childhood or something like that, and, and they turn to Christ through his spirit, through other believers, through his word, he helps you start to overcome that desire, just like with anything in life. You know, if you have a pornography addiction, if you have, you know, other sexual addictions, if you have other kind of sins you struggle with, you know, the Holy Spirit and the church, other believers, they can help you overcome those. And that's why it talks about being a new creation in Christ. And then it says uh, in 1 John 3, 6 through 7, no one who abides in him keeps on sinning, no one who keeps on sinning has either seen or known him. So basically it's saying that when you accept Christ, you're not going to be perfect, but you're striving to not keep going in that sinful lifestyle as before. So the second big pushback we think about is sometimes people will say, I feel like a man is the best compliment to me. I get along better with men, or women may say I get along better with women, and so I feel like I can have a better relationship with that person. Anybody ever heard kind of that before? Yes. Yeah, it's very, very popular. Um, so we need to note this. Men and women are very different and build emotionally and mentally. Okay, that's not, that's not a fault on either side. God created us differently. 
Um, this is proven not only in the Bible, but also through science. Uh, men are, are naturally more gifted in certain areas than women and vice versa. You know, think about this. Anybody ever, anybody heard of the uproar about the transgender sports lately? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's been crazy uproar. Um, so there was a guy lately that, no training. that uh, basically claimed he was a woman and competed in college in the women's swimming event. And he won the first place medal by a long shot because he was more athletic than the women competing. Lucky. And and um and it's it's gotten a lot of pushback and people are starting to realize now, you know, you can't you can't ignore the fact that men and women are built differently. And there's a reason for that. Um like think about this, Allison Felix, she's one of the best sprinters of all time, one of the best women sprinters in in in, in our history. But last the last year I think a thousand guys ran faster than her fastest 100 meter in high school, okay? It's because guys are just naturally built differently. But then you also look at women, oh, studies have shown time and time again that women a lot of times have better control of their emotions than men do, or they show emotion better than men do. And that's a strength for them. You know, also men can't give birth, obviously. Women give birth and they bring life forth into the world. And so men and women are created different. They have different skill sets but both complement one another very well. So I want you guys to think about this in the Bible. When God looked at Adam, what did he say? Anybody know what he said to Adam when he was like alone in the garden? God said, I'll make a suitable partner for you. A suitable partner. Now God could have made another man to go with Adam, but he didn't. He took a rib from Adam and made woman that was very different from Adam, but also similar. And see, the woman brought things to the table Adam didn't bring, and Adam brought things to the table the woman didn't bring. But together, they became stronger. See, think about this. In a married couple, it talks about in the Bible, when a man and a woman come together, they merge two, two people into one kind of figure. And so, what, like in our marriage here, Gracie is stronger in a lot of areas than I am. And then I'm stronger in some areas than Gracie is. So if we learn to come together and work together, we become stronger as one. And united as one and so in a marriage you're never going to have that if you have a man and a man or a woman and a woman because you're not going to be able to complement each other the way god truly intended because you're built similar even though you may have different personalities and different traits and things like that at the core a man's still a man a woman's still a woman and when, when you take a man and a woman separately and put them together they complement one another perfectly, whereas a man and a man and a woman's not going to do that. Um, think about think about this. Um, I believe it also leads to uh, women display empathy better than most men, uh, and thus they do better with children. A lot of times, women do better with children. Not to say men don't do good, and women can't do good at sports and things like that. But we just have different skill sets. Uh, this makes sense as God ordains the man to work in the garden. And he ordains the women to care for the children. So again, he, he, God looks at this and says, hey, you're more gifted in this area, you go do this. You're more gifted in this area, you go do this. Both of them are equally important. Both of them are equally uh, valued. They're just different. Um, and then he says, it says here, um, make sure I have this right. So I put, this is important when you think about who's truly gonna compliment you in a marriage or a relationship. Men and women think differently and respond to things differently. Men need to be there to protect women, be strong for them, and provide the best they can. Women thus need to help men control their emotions in certain cases, show them how to be empathetic, 
and to see how their actions affect those emotionally. This is also why marriages depicted in the Bible is two coming together as one. Two very different beings become one stronger being together because the man breaks his strengths and the woman breaks her strengths and they become a stronger being when they unite together. This is also crucial in raising children uh, as a child needs to see a good role model as a man and what a good role model as a woman looks like. They will learn different things from both and that's needed in proper development as a child. All right, so last big pushback here we see in our world today. People say that it was written in the Old Testament and that God wants me to be happy. So if being in a homosexual relationship makes me happy, we're all good to go. Anybody ever heard that before? Yes. It's probably the third most popular one. And there's other ones too, but we don't have time to go into everything tonight. Like I said, that's why it's important to go and do your own study. But um, think about this. Just because something makes us happy doesn't mean it's acceptable or we should do it. Think about this. If um, going to a party and getting drunk makes you happy in the moment, it's probably still not a very wise thing to do. Why? Because you may get on the road and do something really stupid and get in a wreck or hurt somebody or yourself. You may do something really dumb at that party you don't even remember the next day and all of a sudden you made a life decision you can't take back. Same thing is true in like homosexual relationships. Same thing is true with your boyfriend and girlfriend and what you do alone. Same thing is true in your private life. Just because something feels good and seems good doesn't mean it's actually going to benefit you long term and something you should do. And see, the devil's the master of deception. He's going to try to make that, turn that, um, and make that lie very well known in our world today. Make you think that, oh, whatever you feel is right, you should do it. God desires that for you. God wants you to enjoy life. You should do that. And the devil's not wrong that God wants you to enjoy life. But I want you to think about this. Think about your parents, okay? And how many times they told you not to do something, you got mad. You know, in my life, that happened a lot, okay? If I was in high school, I'm like, Mom, Dad, can I do this? I'm like, no, it's not good for you. And I'm like, what? Uh, and, you know, you get mad and you get really upset. But as you get older and you start looking back on those situations, you realize the, the reason your parents didn't let you go to that party or that event or hang out with that boy or that girl was because they knew you were probably going to get into some trouble that you would regret later on in life. That you may have fun for a night, but later on when you get 25, 30 years old, you're going to look back and say, man, I wish I wouldn't have done that. And so they wanted to spare you from that heartache and that pain that you were going to experience later on. And the same thing is true with God. You know, God, God created sex. He wants you guys to enjoy that. But, that. but he also says to do it in a marriage. Because you do it outside of a marriage, and in the proper marriage, hurt comes in. You know, emotions get attached. You get physically and mentally hurt, and you carry those burdens with you. And God doesn't want that for you. He doesn't desire that for you. And so that's why he creates these laws and these rules, not to prohibit us from having fun, but so we can truly have a joyful life. Because he knows if we go against this, heartache and pain is going to happen and, and regrets going to happen. And so just because something's fun doesn't mean it should be done in that kind of way. And I said, um, just God knows that this is the temporary happiness you'll experience and you get from these sinful things will never fill the void you truly have in your life. Furthermore, it goes against his created order and his plan for your life. God doesn't call us to do whatever makes us happy. He calls us to follow him and his word. When we do this, he gives us joy and eventually we're rewarded in heaven for our faithfulness to him. 
Everything in our world was created by God, even sex. However, when we go, when we use these things out of the way God intended them, destruction happens just like in Sodom and Gomorrah. We start to destroy our lives and the lives of others around us. And most importantly, we destroy the very relationship we have with God himself. So as we kind of conclude here tonight, I want you guys to think about that as you're talking to people is in your own private life. If you're doing something you know is not right, it goes against God's word. Just because it makes you happy in the moment, just because the world says it's right, just because you might think it's okay or you have that desire, doesn't mean that you really should act upon it. Because if you do, I can promise you that heartache and pain will follow. And that's not what God wants for your life. He puts these rules in here to protect you, to lead you for a life of true joy and true fulfillment. And our life is not about what makes us happy. It's about what glorifies God. And when we glorify God, He gives us a joy and peace surpasses all understanding. Let me pray for us as we do questions. You know, thank you so much for this word tonight. Thank you, Lord, for showing us what it means to live for you and why you put certain laws in, in, in your word, why you put certain restrictions on us, Lord, not to hold us back, but to truly give us the life you desire for us to have. Let us honor you and to worship you in all we say, think, and do and start to truly repent of our sins and give our lives to you. And then we pray, God. Amen. Uh, you might have any questions or comments you want to share. I know it's a pretty heavy, deep 